Hey everyone, welcome in to a, another daily editorial here on the KE Report. In this daily editorial, we are introducing a new company to the show. The company is In Play Oil, traded on the TSX under the symbol IPO and on the OTCQX under the symbol IPOOF. We are chatting with the president and CEO, Doug Bartoli. Now, In Play Oil is a producing oil company. The company really has uh, turned it around in thanks as well to the market over the last about year plus. Now, there's no doubt that the whole junior sector for oil was really under pressure there as oil continued to drift lower. And quite frankly, the sector was pretty unloved. But with higher oil prices and also some better financial numbers, we've seen a recovery in a lot of oil stocks and especially some of the juniors. Inplay Oil has done very well over the last year in terms of share price. And Doug, I just want to start with that whole aspect there is that, look, as I said, a lot of the juniors were under pressure as oil was struggling, as the sector was unloved. And there were a lot of people worried that a lot of juniors would go out of business, weighed down by debt loads and lack of cash flow. In play oil, though, you guys, you have really turned it around in the sense of generating some cash flow that's been shown in the share price and also the financial conditions of the company. Take us through this transition or rebirth in a way that has happened over this last little more than a year now, please. Yeah, no, that sounds great, Corey. Thanks for uh, the invitation here today. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, things were going along kind of slow and very slow and steady for the years prior to 2020. You know, we were showing good growth, top tier growth amongst our light oil peers. We were reducing debt slowly. But 2020 came along and the demand destruction caused by the COVID pandemic at the time was phenomenal and it hit everybody pretty hard and specifically the junior companies like us. So, you know, we traded down to share price that basically was, you know, survival, like could you survive was the question, you know, were you going to survive? And we did survive. And in fact, we made a few moves both through 2020 and 2021 that actually has set us up into a phenomenal position coming out of the back end to the point where we are in the best position financially and operationally we've ever been in the in-play name. Uh, I've been with other companies as well, and this is actually the best position I've been with any other company in an, a senior executive level. But basically, we went into 2020, uh, you know, we got some uh, third-party loans, BDC second-term loan that, that got us back drilling, bringing wells on. We actually got a deal done in, in October uh, with no share dilution. We got the lenders in a very difficult time to agree to buy a company or some assets from a company. And then we started drilling on that in the first quarter of 2021 with results that were spectacular. In fact, we were paying out the wells in three to four months, the first six wells we drilled. Uh, you know, the couple that with the, the turnaround of the oil pricing and, and things really worked into our favor. Then uh, last year, of course, in the, in the fall, we announced the acquisition of Prairie Storm Energy Corp. It was a publicly traded company, junior company, very low decline company. We closed that November 30th, and we've already started drilling on those assets with with the results uh, that we were expecting or even better, which again puts us into a, a more sustainable position. Well, Doug, most of your asset base is in Alberta, and the two primary asset base of your land package is the Pembina and the Williston Green Let's start with Pembina and just the asset base there, you know, the wells you're drilling and just bring us up to speed on that project. 
Yeah, so Pemina, I mean, it's the oldest light oil pool in Western Canada, the largest light oil pool in Western Canada. We're using new technology there to increase the recovery factors, basically horizontal wells with multi-frac completions, allowing us to access reservoir that wasn't accessed uh, when this pool was started in the 50s and 60s and delineated in the 70s uh, with vertical wells. So we're getting great results. It's low risk type drilling. We know what we're going to get. The variations are all within reason and it's so well geologically defined with all the wells in it, the mapping, the wells that were drilled into deeper zones below it. So it's a very low risk, high return play and we're very, very happy to be in that play. So we did the asset acquisition last year. We've now drilled eight wells on there. In fact, we drilled 11, three more just finished and will be completed this month. But what we've learned here, we believe we're at the top of the game in the cardium. Uh, we've been working in the cardium for 14, 15 years, most of this management team. It's our focus and uh, we're at the top of finding reserves in this play. We're at the top of adding production amongst our peers on a flowing barrel basis. So the capital efficiencies are strong. We have a great idea of what's going on here. Our technical team takes advantage of that, and we're just showing spectacular results. Okay, so the Pemina, the asset, that is the largest producer in terms of the whole production portfolio, but there's also this Willensden Green area just to the south of Pembina that is also a large contributor to the overall production here. What's the play at this asset? So Williston Green is, is another Cardi in play. Again, very large uh, amounts of oil in place. Same uh, type of idea found in the late 50s, 60s, delineated 70s and 80s. Um, you know, the main part of these plays were, were all underwater flood. Again, very similar. It was our highest producer till, you know, we drilled those six wells last year in Pemina. Uh, but we're starting to drill back in there again right away on the Prairie Storm lands and on our own lands as well. In fact, we'll at least be 50-50 drilling in uh, Pemina and Williston Green in 2022. And ultimately, I think we'll be very similar as far as the amount of holes we drill 50-50 between the, the two over the next so many years. Again, great play. We know it well. You know, there's some subtle differences between Williston Green and, and Pemina, but not from what we, our perspective as far as our technical uh, knowledge of the play and, and our operational abilities. So it's a very focused area. You know, when we brought in that acquisition, there was just so many synergies. We were able to save three, three and a half million dollars a year right away. We expect that to increase as we, as we continue to, uh, to get our uh, teeth into the, uh, into the play or into the new assets in the play we already know well. Well, Doug, I know that the plan in general was to drill, I think, 17 wells this year in 2022. And you just mentioned three have just come on and, and Pembina. You know, is that still the plan? And can you walk us through how that will transform the production profile? Yeah, so we just drilled three that will be completed here this month and, and brought on production. The two wells that we drilled at the end of last year, we completed in Williston Green on the newly acquired asset. Um, were completed in January and came on in the kind of the last quarter, last third of January. And then we have two more wells left. In fact, we're drilling them right now in back in Williston Green that will come on sometime in March. So when we closed the acquisition, we were a little over 8,000 BOEs a day. We expect to average the midpoint of our guidance at 9,150 BOEs a day. So you're going to see with the amount of wells coming on, 
just under seven net wells will be coming on production in Q1. It's by far our most active quarter ever, which is going to catapult us into uh, much higher volumes and you know, we'll probably peak in April or May in the, the mid nines to high 9,000 BOEs a day before we start drilling again in the second quarter and bringing on production before the end of the second quarter. So right away, it's putting us to a whole new level, considering, you know, we're around 5,750 BOEs a day average in, in 2021. So, Doug, what does cash flow look like for the company? I know it's hard to estimate a year out because of where oil prices can move, but what did you guys see last year? What can people expect in terms of cash flow increases as this production continues to increase? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, we put out our official 2020 guidance uh, in early January. At the time, strip pricing was slightly over $72.50 WTI US dollars. And now it's nicely over $80. You know, under our forecast, we're looking at uh, about 111 to 114 million of funds flow over that range of production this year at $72.50. If you actually add a $7.50 or go to $80 WTI for the rest of the year, that adds about another $14 million in funds flow, which pushes, pushes us very, very close to the $130 million range. Considering you know that we're going to do just under $50 million in 2021, that's a phenomenal turnaround in funds flow and ultimately we're about 50 percent of our funds flow going to capital and 50 percent of our funds flow is, is going right now down to pay debt where we get to the point where we're 0.2 0.3 times net debt to EBITDA when you actually look at current strip pricing we are close to debt free by the end of the year so like you say it's just a phenomenal turnaround what's what's what has occurred uh, with the industry but I think, you know, we're one of the companies leading the way in how quickly and, and how significant the turnaround has looked in our production and our financials. So we did all the right moves and put us in a great position coming out of the back end of that COVID uh, uh, experience, which I wish we could forget. But, you know, that's not really the case. No, it is not the case. Uh, let's talk about debt, too, because you mentioned that company is paying down debt. You could even be debt free potentially by the end of the year. What is the strategy going to be with debt? Take us through current debt on the balance sheet and what, again, you are going to pay back and how you can utilize some of that debt in terms of growth. Yeah, so a great question there. I mean, the initial piece is to get debt down below 0.5 times, which at this pace occurs in the second, four times net debt EBITDA, which occurs in the second quarter of this year uh, as it sits right now. And, uh, you know, again, we are continually looking for acquisitions. So one of the first pieces we're going to look at is is to do some acquisitions with our pristine balance sheet. You know, depending on the size of the acquisition, we could put it right onto it or potentially, you know, if we do some shares, we can reduce the dilution to the existing shareholders with adding some more debt. The other pieces of that puzzle are, you know, with all the free funds still and lowering the debt, you know, we are working our way to providing return to uh, shareholders, which typically comes in two forms, which is uh, dividends and uh, or secondly you know share buyback so we could do a combination of both uh, i've been very consistent uh, in the story here and, and we'll continue to update it as the year goes on but i would suggest sometime in the second half of the year more likely probably you know 
end of Q3, beginning of Q4, into Q4 when, uh, you know, we'll do that. But we'll continually uh, release updates on that as we move through the year. Well, Doug, we'll keep following along and, and look forward to seeing any news on the acquisition front for sure. But could you just bring us up to speed on what kind of cash the company has in the bank? And then there's just any other information on the financials that you'd like people to know about the company as far as your financial strength on the balance sheet? Yeah, I mean, we typically don't hold a lot of cash on hand. You know, we, we run through a revolver, you know, with our cash flow that allows there's a there's enough funds flow there that allows us to do you know, all of our capital spending, all of our debt reduction, potential uh, uh, dividends, share buybacks as we go through the year. You know, again, you know, we stress tested this capital uh, program and, and our budget to $50 WTI if it was there for the whole year, which would leave us just less than one times debt to EBITDA. We've never been there as a company. So, uh, you know, we're just in a, in a phenomenal position here. If everything holds the way it is looking on strip pricing, you know, we've got lots of opportunities to do different things to uh, advance returns to the shareholders, and, and that'll be the, the plan going forward here. So looking forward to it. We are specifically on a debt-adjusted basis, I believe, one of the top companies for growth this year. We're in the bottom third of most companies as far as leverage. I can't stress how much, uh, how good of a position we're in and, you know, the opportunity that allows us with such a good lending position debt position and you know the ability to grow easily 10 20 percent a year uh, you know depending on market conditions services and everything else so the uh, the however you say it the world is our oyster right now and and uh, we're looking forward to uh, continuing with it and, and pushing it on to uh, the returns to our shareholders Okay, so it has been a nice, in a way, turnaround, and especially how you guys are set up now with this better oil environment, but also just from the balance sheet perspective. I know a lot of people would be wondering then, is any of your production hedged at all, or are you fully tied to the underlying oil price and its underlying swings? Uh, No, we do have some hedges in this year. Um, They're all uh, public out there. Basically, uh, when we redid the price storm deal, the lenders wanted some hedging in place. I think we're about 40% hedged till the end of May, working our way down to 25, 30% hedged till the end of November. Um, based on the terms of that, I think we have about $93 ceilings. They're mostly callers uh, into the end of May. And then we have $100 WTI ceilings going into the end of November. And as well as gas, the majority of our hedges are on a, on a caller basis as well. So uh, hedging the downside, trying to leave some risk to, or some upside to that as well. And uh, all in all, like a really, really strong position, I think, with our hedging, with the lending side of it, and, you know, leaving enough room for the upside. So, Doug, since it is your first time on the show, can we get a little bit more of a background on your history? I understand that you are a co-founder of InPlay, but you also have experience in a number of other oil and energy companies. Plus, feel free to highlight anybody else on your team, please. Yeah, so I mean, I'm a, I'm an engineer by trade. You know, I've been I've been doing this. I guess it's starting to push 30 years now, but pretty much the last 16 of it have been as an executive level, specifically as a president of a company. The last company we had was uh, Vero Energy, which actually Kevin Yakachuk, our vice president of exploration, and myself uh, were the were the founding uh, principals of that company. That started in 2005 and it was sold in 2012 at a really, really good time. 
made money for everybody on that on that front. Uh, then we started privately in 2013 and went public in 16 with Inplay Oil. And, uh, you know, again, very difficult times through there. We were able to raise money. We were able to get going. Went public again. We were doing all the right things, running a pretty darn good company through 16, 17, 18, 19. Uh, then 20 hit. Had to figure out how to survive and, and the way we go. So, again, I've been working with Kevin Yakachuk for 25 years now, my VP of Exploration. Gordon Reese, our Vice President of Business Development, again, a geologist, uh, you know, I've known for probably 22 plus years. Dane Jensen, I actually went to a state with back in the uh, early 80s, and we kept in touch through the years. We both went to engineering school after, and um, uh, we've known each other for a long, long time. You know, all of us have been significantly, like I say, it's a significant technical team that we've been working in. We've drilled, I think we've counted somewhere in the name of 350 to 400 horizontal multi-frac wells in the cardium play over the years. So we're right up on the technology, the changes. You see it in our adding of reserves and the adding of production on a capital efficient basis. We're at the top of the peer group. And then finally, our CFO, Darren Dittmer, he was actually a controller for one of the board members that I have when he was a CFO in, in some different variations uh, back in the kind of late 2009, eight, nine frames and early 2010, 11, 12. So uh, again, just a great pick. You know, the team is is doing a great job, all moving in the right direction to uh, create value add, you know, and, and I guess, you know, Finally, we did add a lot of value in 2021 as we were one of the best performing oil and gas stocks on the Toronto Stock Exchange uh, with somewhere around 950% uh, change in share price over the year. But even then, we've got a lot of room to go. You know, we still are undervalued by most of our analysts, their metrics and their and their cost bases and their price decks. And uh, we're providing the top tier growth, lowest leverage and just total return. So. Ultimately, I think you're going to see us start moving our way to the midpoint of the average. And you know, with our growth, our low debt, and our ability to provide return to shareholders, I think we should be trading higher than the average. And, and that's where we're, we're going to start heading to, I believe. Okay, Doug. Well, let's also dig into the share structure of the company. Uh, basic shares outstanding, $86 million, Fully diluted, $93 million. And then just any key stakeholders and shareholders. I mean, I see here that your employees uh, and, and key insiders own about 7.2% and the large insiders own 22.5%. But just anything you want to share as far as some of the key stakeholders in the company. Yeah, you're you're exactly right on the basic shares outstanding. There's no extra warrants, anything else. Very clean share structure. The difference is just straight incentive stock options is the difference between basic and fully diluted. We do have you know, one main shareholder who's on the board. Actually, he represents, he's the chairman of the board, and that would be Jog Capital, who have now changed their name to Carbon Infrastructure Partners, and they're working on carbon capture and sequestration projects in all of North America right now. So I've been a very solid shareholder. They've uh, provided great support through the times because, believe me, They've been in since 2014, so they've seen lots of ups and downs. And right now, they are very, very pleased with with where we're going, where we're at, and uh, been hugely supportive of what's going on. So it's it's great to have them uh, on the board. And you know, with our deal, we added some new great shareholders, some institutions, uh, some international institutions as well as Canadian institutions, with the deal with Prairie Storm in the fall. So again, 
glad to have these guys on board who have been supportive and I believe will continue to be supportive uh, if we do any sort of uh, acquisitions that are of, of any more size. So just all in all, again, good shareholder base, you know, decent ownership by the employees and the directors as well. All right, Doug, before we get you out of here, can you just summarize what investors or those watching the company should be paying attention to in terms of near-term cash flow and catalysts then? Yeah, so I mean, I think in general, you're going to see, you know, us being at the top of the group for total returns, our free cash flow yield coupled with our with our growth, our production growth is significantly at the highest end of the uh, of the peer group. Uh, you know, so that's going to start showing into 2022. And you'll see that going on into 2023. The other piece of this puzzle is I do believe you will see multiple expansion. Uh, in the old days, cash flow multiples for the high flyers could be nine, ten times. The odd guys were double-digit cash flow multiples. Currently, you're more in the kind of the high flyers and the five, six times, and everybody else between two and four times. You're going to see multiple expansion as more people come back into this space. You're going to see the yields go up as guys continually increase their dividends on a quarterly, yearly basis, which is going to ultimately push up the cash flow multiples, which is going to be seen right through the whole space, right down to the to the junior side. And the cash flow multiple expansion that I'm talking about is huge. You know, for us specifically, every multiple works out to be give or take a dollar fifty a share. So it does not take much to really start seeing big movements in share prices as we as we move forward through this year and as people return to investing in our industry. All right, Doug, really appreciate this introduction. We will be following up as we get some more news out of InPlay Oil, but we really did just want to get you on to highlight just how well this company has done and still the growth avenues that you have in front of yourselves just this year. If anybody has any follow-up questions for Doug, please email us either fleck at kereport.com or shad at kereport.com, and we will get those answered for you. Doug, again, thank you for your time. Please keep us up to date on future news. Sounds great. It's been a pleasure.